good evening again. If you maybe slipped in late, uh, and as you look around, you can definitely, if you doubt it, that there's maybe potentially a long weekend, just look around. It is definitely a long weekend. I feel alone here in front, and I see some of you sitting also feeling alone, especially this block. I don't know what happened there at the back, Jock, but we. Just at the sense when we prayed, when I prayed now, but also the pre-service, the prayer meeting that we have, if you don't know of it, please, every Sunday we start praying together at five, not for the service only. It is a prayer meeting. God has called us to come together as believers and seek Him collectively. Where two or more are gathered, there is He. And so five o'clock every Sunday, we come together to pray. Just really at the sense, when I thought about this service this specific PM service where the young adults are that goes ice skating. Just remember, skydiving, just come and see me afterwards. Just really sense that there will be people finishing their degrees. Um, and God is going to send you into the nations. I remember when we planted the church in South Sudan where we see a lot of the turmoil currently happening. The church there, we, before the actual couple went that led the church, we sent... Um, chartered accountants into the country. and They started the office for PwC. And that was the open door for us to go in and to go and plant the church. And that is some of you sitting here. God wants to use what He's equipped you with, um, not just for your own pockets, but for His kingdom. And so maybe God is speaking to you tonight. May your heart be open to be sent. Let us not just sing it. And so exciting, we are finishing our three-week sermon series for those cu the couple that got married. Yes, they've been married for long, three days. Give them a hand. They have survived three days. Well done. So they definitely missed last Sunday. I know uh, you are forgiven. Uh, we are busy with a prayer series. And so week one, Rido preached on just when we pray, God meets us. And so how's it going with your meeting time? Are you still setting out time? Do you still have that specific place, time of the day, where you go to meet the King of Kings? How's it going with your meeting? And last week I preached about when we encounter God, it's not just us speaking to Him. Prayer is not just we download. You know, especially this generation, we like to download various things. But it's also waiting on God to download His Spirit into your heart to speak to you. And we see from the life of Daniel just this, this history of walking with God, speaking, but also listening to God. And so tonight I'm going to end off the sermon series with when we pray, God moves. When we pray, God meets us. When we pray, God speaks to us. And tonight, when we pray, God moves. And so if you've missed any of the previous weeks on our website, go and download the sermons. You can listen to it through Spotify and various other platforms. Um, just really go and, and just re-listen to these things. Because our desire with this sermon series was to, to fire, to ignite a fire in our hearts, to really be a people that have an intimate relationship with the Father. And so I hope as we conclude that it's not an end of you seeking God, but it's just the beginning. And so tonight, as I said, when we pray, God moves. So let me ask you the question, what is your faith based on? What is your faith in God based on? Is it based on whom He is and what He's already done for you on the cross? Or is it based on what He does for you continually? 
where you hope for certain things and then it comes through. Your faith is based on God working miracles in your life. Or is your faith based on whom He is and what He's done for you? And so let me use an illustration. Anybody here tonight that does not know the trust fall, it is the exercise we use in, in just the corporate environment. Just tell me if this thing is not going to work, then I'm going to take the handout. Corporate environment, you do a trust fall to get the group to work together. Everybody knows it? Yes. And so I don't have to explain, to, you know, two lines of people standing, one guy standing or lady with her back to the, the group standing at the bottom falls and hopefully the people at the bottom catches. And so during this or through this exercise, we build trust in one another. You know, some people are more fearful to fall and others just fall. And then the good facilitator will say, well, why did you fall? And, you know, unpack this. And so thinking of the question, what is your faith based on? What is it that makes you just fall and know that He is God? Is it because of what He does continually in your life? Or is it, hello, or is it based on whom He is and what He's done for you? And so you can open your Bibles with me as we read together from just Daniel 3 tonight. As we look at the life of three men, Shadrach, Meshach, Meshach, sorry, and Abednego. And we're going to look at just their lives and this trial that they have to face together. And we see evidence of what their faith was based on through this story. And so you can open your Bibles with me, Daniel 3. We're going to read from verse 15. But allow me just to give you some context into the Scripture before I just jump into it. If you go to verse 1, you will see King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold. And so what happened before verse 15, this king makes an image of gold nine feet high, and it gives the width of this image. And he places it on the plain of Doha. I think it's, if I pronounce it correctly, if I remember it correctly, Dura. He places this image on the plain of Dura. And so context here is if you read chapter 2, this king just had a dream of a statue, golden head, and then various minerals formed the rest of the body. And so when Daniel gave him the, the meaning of this dream, he said, King Nebuchadnezzar, this golden head represents your kingdom. And the change from the head down means that there will be an end to your kingdom. This is God speaking to him. And guess what he does? He goes and he builds a golden statue golden image, proclaiming that there will be no end to his kingdom. And significantly, he places it on the plain of Dura, which if you go write this down, go and study Genesis 11 verse 3, you will see the exact spot where the people in Babylon tried to build the Tower of Babel. They wanted to erect this tower to prove that they are sovereign that they are in need of no other being. And so we see the same happening in this king's life. Erecting a golden image. After God has just told him, there will be an end to your kingdom. And he does the opposite. Proclaiming his pride. And also saying that he is sovereign. That he is above any other power. And then, if you keep on reading, you will see he then calls on all the officials all the high-placed people in his kingdom, to be at the unveiling of this statue, this image. And so 
they had to fall down before this image, bow before it, and worship it when they heard the music playing. And so these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, was there. And obviously they refused to bow down when they heard just the, the sound of the different instruments playing. And they were brought before the king, and this is where we pick it up. Verse 15. He declared, let me just get to the right verse. Apologies, I'm in two. Now, if you are ready, this is the king speaking, when you hear the sound of the horn, the pipe, the lyre, the trigon, the harp, the bagpipe, and every kind of music to fall down and worship the image that I have made, well and good. But if you do not worship, you shall immediately be cast into the burning fiery furnace. And who, listen to the arrogance again, and who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? Wow. Wow. Same, same king that in chapter 2 proclaimed that there is no other God like Daniel's God who is able to, to interpret his dreams. The same arrogant guy that now says, who is this God that can deliver you from my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. Let me pause there. Listen to their the answer. Our God whom we serve. Our God whom we serve. So they make it clear to him in that instance that you need to remember, we work for you. We do not serve you. You are not our master. You are our employer. Some of us need to learn just this lesson tonight. We forget anything I've just said or will say. Who's your master? Is it your employer or is it God? And so they make it clear from the word go that God is their master. Maybe it's something else. Who's your master? Verse 18. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was filled with fury, and the expression of his face was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He ordered the furnace heated seven times more than it was usually heated. Again, very significant. The number seven in the Bible is very significant. It means complete, nothing lacking. And so he's heating this fire, the ultimate complete storm that he is busy building up that these men will face. Can you see how pride is building up the ultimate storm that will bring him to his knees? Interesting to note. Verse 20. He ordered, sorry, the furnace to be, yeah, verse 20. And he ordered some of the mighty men of his army to bind these three men and to cast them into the burning fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their cloaks, their tunics, their hats, and other garments, and they were thrown into the burning fiery furnace because the king's orders was urgent and the furnace overheated. The flame of the fire killed those men who took these three men and threw them in the fire. That is how hot this fire was. The men that threw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into the fire died when they got close to the, the fiery furnace. 
verse 23. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell bound into the burning fiery furnace. Then the king, Nebuchadnezzar, was astonished and rose up in haste. He declared to his counselors, did we not cast three men bound into the fire? They answered and said to the king, true, O king. He answered and said, but I see four men unbound walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt. And the appearance of the fourth is like the Son of God. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the door of the burning fiery furnace. He came near to the door of the burning fiery furnace. What happened to the three men or the mighty men? They threw these three friends into the fire when they got close. They were killed. And so here the king comes and he's close. He's at the door. And so a good assumption to make is that time has lapsed. The fire has cooled down. And so many times when we face trials and tribulations, we start doubting because we spend maybe two days there or maybe three days there. And so we see here, and I'll unpack it a bit later, that time has lapsed. Time has lapsed. The king can come close to the door. And so these men were in that fire for quite some time. And he declared, Sadrach, Sadrach, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. Then the three men came out from the fire, and the satraps, the prefects, the governors, and the king's counselors gathered together and saw that the fire had not had any power over the bodies of those men. The hair of their heads was not singed, their cloaks were not harmed, and no smell of fire had come upon them. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said, Blessed be God of Sadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants, who trusted in him and set aside the king's command and yielded up their bodies rather than serve and worship any god except their god. Therefore, I make a decree, any people, nation, or language that speaks anything against this god of Sadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn limb from limb, and their houses shall be and their houses laid in ruins, for there is no other God who is able to rescue in this way. Father, thank you that we can open your word. And I pray now, Holy Spirit, that you will reveal the Father's heart to us. When we pray, God moves. And so what is the scripture teaching us tonight? I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So I want to propose two things. Let me maybe just ask a question. Can you see how God moved in this scripture, in this story? Can you see it? And so I want to propose that God moved in two ways. God moved in two ways. He first moved in them so that he could move through them. God first moved in them so that he can move through them. God wants to move in you. When we call you to a place of having an intimate relationship with God. Why are we doing this? Because God wants to move in you. He wants you to know His voice. He wants to deliver just His riches, His love into your life. He wants to move in your life so that He can move through your life. And so if you read, if we just unpack the first part of that sentence, He moved in their lives. If you read up until verse 18, where they answered the king, O king, whom can serve or deliver you out of my hands? And they answered and said, well, our God can deliver us out of your hands. If you had to stop there, it would be fair to interpret 
or come to sort of the, the understanding that God was not able to move because we read further and we see that they were actually then thrown into the fire. And so by proclaiming to the king that their God was able to save them, and yet they are thrown into the fire, you can sit there and make the assumption that God failed to move. But if you read verse 18, you will see, but. Every time you read in the Bible, but. Go and study what does it say. Let's read that again. Verse 18. But if not, our God is able to deliver us out of your hands, king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods. Does the words but, if not, not sound familiar? You remember when Jesus was in the garden of Gethsemane, Mount Olives, the last night before he was arrested, he prayed for the cup to be removed from him. Father, if it's your will, let this cup be removed from me. But, but, not my will be done, but yours. And so these words, but if not, testifies of a deep, intimate relationship, a deep conviction that God deposited in their lives. It testifies of intimate, prayerful encounters with God where they came to understand that their faith is based on whom He is and what is already done for them on the cross. Is the cross sufficient for you? Is the cross tonight sufficient for you? If that is the only thing that you will ever, ever receive from God, will you be content? Will you be content? And so we see in their lives that they were, which is why they proclaim. And even if we have to die, even if our God decides not to deliver us, but if not, we will not serve and worship your king. It testifies of a deep encounter, a deep deposit. You see, their faith and their belief of God being sovereign was not built on, on the God coming through for the things that they hoped for. God giving to them everything that they wanted. Their faith was based on whom He is and that He is able to do what He says He will do in His Word. And so let's go back to that trust fall quickly. Just get up the stage if I had to call you. Will you fall, Zach? Andre, will you fall? Marco, will you fall? Will you? Without any evidence that the eight ladies are able to catch you. Will you fall, Marco? I see doubt. Be careful. Be careful. Women are powerful. Ichu, will you fall? Without any evidence, if I stand there, without any evidence, how much more should we trust in a living God that created heavens and earth and believe that He is who He says He is and that He's able to do what He said He will do? even if we have no evidence. But yet we can fall and put our lives in the hands of mere men. My wife used to go around high schools in Pretoria uh, and she spoke to girls at schools about trust. 
And so she used this exercise. And one high school, specific high school she went to, she spoke to the grade 11s, grade 12s, the girls the morning. They thought they would be funny. And so when she fell backwards, they let her fall. And she cracked a vertebra in the, in the lower back and in her neck. Later on in her life, she had to undergo operations. It was the end of her netball career. She was a really good netball player. Why do I share that? Because men will fail us at some stage in our lives. Even with evidence of them being faithful, but not our living God. And so God had to move in them before he could move through them. Did God move? He definitely moved in their lives. But we also see how he moved through their lives. If you were to answer the question, did God move? From verses 19 to 27, there's a lot of evidence. Verse 25, they are bound up. They are thrown in the fiery furnace. Three men. But when the king looks, there's four men walking unbound, three of them unbound. There's evidence that God moved, yes? When they are taken out of the fire, we see that there's even no smell, no evidence that they were ever in the fire. Enough evidence that God moved. But here's the thing. All of that evidence points to God moved in their lives. God proved to them that He is sovereign. That which happened there was God still moving in their lives, proving to, him, to them that He is a sovereign God, that He is a sovereign God. It is only in verse 29 that we see how God then moves through them. Therefore, I make a decree, any people, nation, or language, this is the king speaking, that speaks anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, shall be torn limb from limb, and their houses laid in ruins. God had to move in their lives so that people could see His kingdom through their lives. And so when He calls you to set out time, when He calls you to meet with Him daily, when He calls you to a place where you just be quiet and listen, He wants to move in your life. He wants to move in your life. Why? Because these three men knew something that we as believers sometimes don't want to know or don't want to believe. They knew that facing fiery furnace situations is not optional. As believers, we will face it. Let me read that to you. James 1 verses 2 to 4, it says the following. Count it all joy. My brothers and sisters, yes, when you meet trials of various kinds, count it joy. Don't sit and look depressed about it. Don't question God about it. Count it joy like these three men did because they had encounters with God. They knew God. They knew that God is sovereign. And so when they looked at this fiery furnace, they counted it as joy. Why do we have to count it as joy? For you know that testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Some of you tonight are sitting here and you find yourself in a fiery furnace situation. Some of you have just gone through it. And some of you will go through it tomorrow. 
We are not exempt. But we need to count it as joy. We need to count it as joy because God uses these moments to build faith in our lives, to move in our lives. See, God is sovereign, meaning that He is able to do anything. There is no power above Him that He should submit under it. And so what happened to these three men was God's sovereignness that allowed it to happen. But here's the thing. God was with them. And so if you sit in this place tonight, or maybe you've just gone through it, where you found yourself just in a challenging time, I want to leave you with two things that we learned from their story. Two things. You will never face these fiery furnace, furnace experiences alone. God is with you. Second thing is when you face these, these times of challenges, you have to walk through it. You have to walk through it. God is with you, and He wants you to walk through it. Freely, unbound, walk. Keep on walking in faith. Keep on walking with Him, and just walk through it. And so what do I mean by when you face it, you are not alone. Let's read again. Daniel 3 verses 24. Then the king, Nebuchadnezzar, was astonished and rose up in haste. He declared to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the fire? And they answered and said to the king, True, O king. And he answered and said, But I see four men. I see four men unbound, walking freely. God is sovereign. Can do whatever he wants to do. There's no need for him to submit in the, under any authority or power because there aren't any authority and power higher than him. And so he allowed it in their lives. And so if you find yourself tonight in that place, he has allowed it. But here's the promise. There was four men. He is with you. And he wants to walk with you through it. You do not have to face this alone. You don't have to face this alone, but just keep on walking. Second thing, the fiery, the fiery furnace situation should never influence your ability to keep on walking. Verse 24 again, I'm just going to read the highlighted parts there. Did we not cast three men bound into the fire? But I see four men unbound. I see four men unbound. They were bound when they were in the fire. But when the king looked, they were unbound. You see, our inability to see these situations for what they are, it is trials of various kinds. We will meet them. Our inability to see these situations for what they are, it is moments where God wants to build into your life, where he wants to move in your life so that when you are done, when you have gone through it, and even when you are in it, that he can move through your life. Our inability to see that truth makes us believe that when this happens, that God was caught of God. And that He doesn't have the ability to help you. Maybe your fiery furnace situation tonight is health-related. Maybe you're facing cancer directly or indirectly. It is not called God of God. Maybe your fiery furnace tonight is maybe a relational thing. You find yourself in a relationship where you're busy doing things that you know you should not do. Or you have a relationship that is not the way it should be. 
and there's healing and restoration needed, did not court God of God. Maybe yours is mental health related. Your inability to see these situations for what they are is causing you to doubt God. And here's the thing. We get stuck when we're at that place. Because of our doubt, we start believing that we cannot go through this. We cannot make it. And so you get stuck. You get paralyzed. You get depressed. Yes? And you even start losing faith. Because faith is not based on whom he is. And that he's already conquered everything. Faith is maybe based on improving himself to you continually. Listen to what Psalm 23 verse 4 say. Are you in a fiery furnace situation tonight? Psalm 23 verse 4. Even though I... Let's read that. Even though I walk through, not sit, not dwell, not stay, not being paralyzed, not doubting, not questioning, even though I walk through the valley of shadow and death. Who's leading us through the valley of shadow and death? Psalm 23 starts off by saying, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. It is Him that leads you through that valley. He is sovereign. He leads us through that valley. I will fear no evil, for you are with me. We do not have to face this alone. We will walk through it, and we do not have to face it alone. You are with me. Your rot and your staff, they comfort me. What is your, your belief, your faith in God based on tonight? Is it based on the fact that He is whom He says He is and that He has done everything that you need and given it already to you on the cross? And is that sufficient to you tonight? And so when you find yourself in that place, that fiery furnace, it is not because God has not moved. Maybe you're still stuck there. You feel that you pray, but God is not moving. The fact that you find yourself there is not because God is not moving. He is busy moving in your life. And He's got a desire to not only move in your life, but to move through your life. I just want you to close your eyes. I believe that I believe that we will go through times of facing our own fiery furnace situations. Some of you are there tonight. just want to create a moment. Allow the Father just to, to speak into your spirit tonight. And just to confirm that He is there with you. Just forget about whatever it is that you're experiencing, whatever it is that you are feeling or sensing about the situation. Fear, anxiety, doubt, anger. Just let it go.
I want you to see your shepherd. As he just walks beside you. 